Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. That's a department store. Department store. You, but you're getting every, everything there from housewares yeah. to, to suits. And I went there for clothing. We're, you're going there for clothing. For sales. You get the, you get, you get the leaflets in the mail and you yeah. come home from work. Oh, Michael, we're going to go get you a shirt. Yeah. yeah. We're in the lower level. This is right by uh, Houlihan's. Right. We're, we're, Another we're looking joint. through the shirts and a salesperson just comes up to you and goes, are you Tony Kornheiser? Yeah, 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 I am. Why are you shopping here? <laughs> That's right. It was beneath me. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. All righty then. Michael is six feet, one inches away, properly socially distanced at Uncle Benny's table. It is dreary in Washington, D.C. For about the fifth or sixth straight day, uh, it's either terribly foggy, which it isn't today, or drizzly or rainy. Um, but the afternoons, mostly not yesterday, yesterday was a washout utterly, but the afternoons mostly turn out pretty good and the sunsets are pretty nice. So I think people would live with weather like this. It turned cold here yesterday in the mid forties. It's going to rebound up into the low sixties today, which is always nice. I want to just reach out at the top and, and thank two people. Um, both of whom are named Alex. I want to thank Alex Hughes of Columbus, Ohio, who is going to send the original of that drawing of me and Wilbon, which makes us look bad, but accurate, <laughs> accurately bad. Um, and I'm grateful for that. He is sending that to Nigel, uh, for which I am grateful. And Alex Podlegar, who is the fabulous um, public relations chief at the Pinehurst Resorts in North Carolina, who sent a bunch of golf balls to me, a big bunch of golf balls, and wrote, if they're going to steal your ball, make it count. And that's really nice. Michael, you can describe the golf balls. They're good. Yeah, these are Pro-V with the Putter Boy logo. How many- yeah. All right, I was trying to do the math. There is... I'll say there are boxes and boxes. Yeah, I nice. think this is a full year supply of golf balls. Even for me, and I lose them quickly. I'm putting you at <laughs> roughly two golf balls a week because sometimes you're not mm-hmm. going to play. Yeah, but if I ever have to, like I drop them into water. 16 so much at Columbia. Okay. I drop them in the water Maybe so often. Maybe this is a six-month supply. But it's great. We'll so re- We'll re-up and we can go back down there. I mean, as people know, I really like going to Pinehurst. It's about a six-and-a-half-hour drive from where I live. Um, Alex has been wonderful over the years, um, takes a lot of kidding when he puts me in a bad condo. Uh, and he's just, uh, he's very, very good at his job. It's a great golf resort and it is affiliated completely tied at the hip to the USGA at Anchor this point. course now. Yeah. I mean, it's, <clears throat> it's a, uh, us open course. Number two is a us open course. Well, the nicest touch That's is nice. he writes the note on the redone Pinehurst number four. Number four. Car. And puts your name and my name on him, which is... Doesn't write in strokes yet. Not very we'll have so. to decide that later. <laughs> no, puts X. He puts a bunch of X's on mine. Um, but it's a not-too-subtle way of saying, why don't you come down here and play? And I would love to do that. Uh, two, there are a bunch of things to talk about today, and they have to do mostly with sports. Uh, Jeff Passan will be on later, so we don't have to dwell at the top on the World Series. But it should be said that all the pressure in the world, because of what happened in Game 4... In, in one of the most bizarre endings ever in a World Series game. A two-error, oddly scored runoff um, by um, Randy uh, Rosarena, who f- tripped halfway down like Daniel Jones on the turf, tripped halfway down third baseline, was going to go back, and then the ball got away, mysteriously to me, got away from Will Smith, and he scored uh, at the winning run. Because of what happened in that in game four, all the pressure in the world was on Clayton Kershaw. Because, look, they've only got two starting pitchers. They've got Clayton Kershaw and Walker Bueller. And what you'll see in game five, I'm sorry, in game six, is Gonzalez and May again. You know, you're just going to see by committee. It's so odd that the Dodgers are so rich and they only have two starting pitchers. It's understandable. The, the other team has three. Now, Tyler Glasnow can't find the plate in the World Series. Can't find it. So he's 0-2. <clears throat> excuse me, and, and that didn't help them. I'm not going to dwell completely on this, but there was another play at the plate yesterday. There was an attempted steal of home, and we need to talk to Passon about that and which way the series is going. Kershaw's done. He's 2-0. and Whatever you think of him, he got through it with the help of his fielders, with the help of his manager, who did not expose him too long. Right, Michael? Did not. Took him out when he needed to Well, and you talk about pressure. The most pressure was as soon as he gets that the lead before he even takes the mound. And you've seen Glasnow throwing 30-plus pitches. And then he gives up 
what he can't do, which is a leadoff single. Yeah, just, and if he doesn't get that double play ball, you don't know what the game's going to look first like. First inning, he gets a double play ball. He gives up. There's a guy on with Kershaw every inning. There's a guy on. You know, Soft it just, contact. Um, it's not good. Anyway, so so that'll be in the show. Football will obviously but be in the show. One quick question, and yep. maybe you can pass and can answer this for you. That had to be a play that they had been talking about leading up to a Kershaw start, which is if you get a chance, you might try and steal home, right? My feeling is that Kershaw's motion, when he takes the ball from his waist and puts it over his head, is so slow and so exaggerated that with his back turned to third base, you can try to steal home. I don't think you'd do it on somebody else. And, and I read in Dave Shinen's piece today that he's got a signal with Muncie or whoever is placing, playing first base to let him know he's going and get off the mound and throw it. He threw it to the wrong side of the plate. He threw it to the left-hand side of the plate, and, and uh, not, Smith was not catching. No, he was he DHing. Has, he has Barnes as his special catcher. Yes, he's got Austin Barnes. So anyway, so we can talk about that. Um, just bring it up to, to Passon. Uh, and, and the other thing is football. I, I mean, I, I can't believe I'm going to start with this because it means nothing to most people who listen. It means nothing to people who pay attention to football this year. But the Washington football team had no problem whatsoever with Dallas. None. Zero. They're a bad team, and they had no problem. Dallas is so bad, so overrated, so overhyped. Every year after year after year, they're 2-5. and five. They should be 0-7. Oh and, mm-hmm. and Jerry Jones, who is a very public figure, Jerry Jones is looking at, my God, did I get the wrong coach? No, I don't think he did, but they're so bad, and the players are revolting. Apparently, they're revolting in both, <laughs> both terms of the word. They're revoltingly bad, and they don't like the coach because they had Jason Garrett for so long, and they knew what to expect, and they're sinking. They, they, it's not, they're not sinking. They've sunk. They stink. What was the stat you were using last week about how many points they're They allowing? have given up through the first six games of the year. The Dallas Cowboys had given up more points than any team since the merger. That's 50 well, this years. Was, this was the WFT's first time scoring 20-plus points in the first half. They're just, Did you see Kyle Allen, the, the last score before the half, he, uh, he runs out of bounds and just quiets, puts up his finger and shushes all the critics? Yeah. I, and by the way, Kyle Allen will be there for a while. Uh, Dwayne Haskins not not seeing light. He's not seeing the Here's light with this team for a while. Here's what's terrifying with uh, with with WFT. Their next four games, they could actually be 500 and be looking at hosting a playoff game. Oof. Yeah, I don't think yeah, they're that another good. Cowboys game, a Giants game. And there are a lot of people who will want to talk about the late game. I didn't watch one play of the late game, so I can't help you with the late game. But yesterday in the I early w- games, go ahead. I was going to say, I watched quite a bit of it, not not the end, which I, I watched the highlights of, but the, the rest of the game, it was, a, it was a fantastic shootout between those two teams. And Kyler Murray. That's the, best, that's the best division in football and maybe the best division in all of sports. The worst team is San Francisco, which crushed New England and is oh, four yeah. and three. That's the worst team in the league. There's no other team in football, no other division of football that has people above 500 all up and down. The worst, the worst division is obviously the NFC East. But in that early window, the, the show that was put on by a game that doesn't even matter, Cincinnati and Cleveland, Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield, particularly in the second half, were great. They were absolutely great. Burrow won the game, and then Mayfield won the game. You know, like no time to go. Mayfield went up and down the field. The Detroit game, oh, my God. Seconds. Todd Gurley, you oh, cannot yeah. score. <laughs> Everyone knows you cannot score. You break through the line, you just kneel down. That's what you're supposed to do is kneel down. He scores. He gives Matthew Stafford 64 seconds. Stafford goes down the field. It's one thing Stafford can do. Yeah, he clocks it with two seconds to go. He ducks to his left and finds a tight end open in the end zone. And Detroit wins the game. And the chump of chumps is Arthur Blank. He's on the sideline waiting to celebrate again, like he did at home in, you know, not at home in the Super Bowl, but at the Super Bowl with New England. And they take shot after shot of him because he's a pathetic, forlorn figure. He's like, if you're old enough to remember this, he's like a Jackie Gleason character. He's completely forlorn and foolish. He's a foolish person at this point. 
That was a terrific, terrific ending. But a totally dirty play on the on the part of Bostic, John Bostic, though with Andy Dalton. You didn't think he was trying to get the shoulder in no, there? No, totally dirty play, and he, that's why he got tossed. What, me? Yeah, that's why he got tossed. He should get tossed for more than one game, by the way, for that. Other things that went on, um, Goskowski. Tennessee oh. out of nowhere makes a comeback. That game's a great game. Tennessee sure. makes a comeback. Roethlisberger gets intercepted. Now, you know, to say Roethlisberger got intercepted in the end zone, a little bit of context here. He tried to fit it in to his receiver among three different Tennessee Titans, and it was batted up in the air, and then it was intercepted. And then, and then Tennessee goes down the field to set up a guy who's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Steven Goskowski's going to be in the Hall of Fame. And he missed it. As he missed, if I remember correctly, either game one or game two, he missed like three field goals and finally kicked a game winner in overtime. They didn't lose because they were undefeated. But it was set up for him to win that game, and he missed that. There was just totally exciting games up and down the roster yesterday. And then you got to see Tom Brady. And Tom Brady, for those who thought, and I am one of them, that Tom Brady had lost something, that Tom Brady wasn't Tom Brady anymore. Tom Brady yesterday was great. He had five touchdown passes, including one, I believe, in the third quarter, maybe the top of the fourth quarter, deep downfield to the left-hand corner of the end, end zone. Like 43-year-olds, you can't throw that pass. Nigel, you must have been watching that. Yeah, I did watch you're a quite Pats a bit of guy. that. You know, yeah, he looked no, great. great. <laughs> yeah, Brady Patriots. looked great. You don't begrudge Brady, even though he left the team. They kicked him off the team. No, I mean it's it's a bit odd to see him and Gronkowski. And Gronkowski, I believe, had a touchdown. I think five touchdowns, one to each a different player. I, he's just, just he hasn't he hasn't missed a beat. Yeah, he's the goat. He's forty three. You know? No, he did, but he did. But for the first four or five games, he wasn't very good. And if he'd yeah, have he had a really great half, down. he'd have a bad half. But he was complete. Yesterday, that was a great Sunday. Nigel gets to watch Brady and then Mookie Betts leading off uh, game five. Mookie Betts is a great player. (laughs) Look, I don't don't think they're going to win game six. I don't because we've seen this recipe, Gonzalez and May before. We saw this in game two. You know, we've seen it. it, I don't think they're going to win. But they at least are in position now that they've got Bueller and Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton was invincible in playoff games, is not now. So we'll see. So I think that would favor the Dodgers. So that's all the sports stuff, right? I mean, oh, is there anything I, just, I left out? Yeah, well, there's one. There was one player, and I don't know if you saw the highlight from the from the Seattle game. I, I just want to mention this. Oh, when, chasing him down. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was. It was like Daryl Green chasing down Tony Dorsett. You're like, good, good yeah. lord, look at that guy go. This yeah, DJ Metcalf, like, right? Yeah, Metcalf, yeah, just spectacular. And by the way, and Metcalf is chasing a guy down who's half his size. Metcalf yeah. looks like a locomotive and gets him at about the six or something like that. Pretty yeah, close. And you, could, you could see the, the Cardinal player looking up at the scoreboard right in front of him, seeing Metcalf gaming on him, thinking, <laughs> how is this happening? I, I'm Pete, Carroll said it's, Pete Carroll said it's one of the greatest plays he's ever seen. I think it I was, can. It I think was I remarkable. Can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. The little engine that could. Except he's the big engine that could. All right, so we will take a break. When we come back, we will have Michael Wilbon, who watched everything there was to watch yesterday, and also watched Northwestern play, which we'll talk about. The Big Ten opened. The Big Ten opened strong. Not Maryland, but the Big Ten opened strong on Saturday. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Zip Recruiter ad. And businesses, it wants me to say that businesses have had to be flexible this year. Sure, from working remotely to pivoting their business models for long-term survival and growth. Yeah, it's been very, very, very hard on small businesses. And they asked me to share some of my own examples. Restaurants are moving their dining outdoors and adding takeout and catering. That's because nobody with a brain wants to go indoors. I mean, that's, it's not particularly safe to go indoors. So, yeah, you have to be able to move on the fly. It's been really, really rough. Major retailers are selling face masks, and if Anthony Fauci has his way, and he should, uh, face masks will be required outdoors for everybody, required outdoors. If you're in charge of hiring for your business, these pivots have made your job even more challenging, especially if you have to hire for brand new roles. True. Thankfully, there's one place you can always count on to make hiring faster and easier, ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over 100 top job boards with one click. Then ZipRecruiter's powerful technology finds people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. It's no wonder that four out of five employers who post on 
ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. This sounds sort of counterintuitive because people are being furloughed and laid off and, and, and businesses are going out. But it does make sense that you're going to have to hire people who are different from the people you have hired before because the way business is structured now is entirely different from the old models. This makes sense. See for yourself. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at uh, ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash T-O-N-Y Tony. Let ZipRecruiter take hiring off your plate so you can focus on growing your business. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. The smart ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Kelly Moreno, who is an, an actual, not just honorary, doctor of psychology. This is his album. This is called Morning Lullaby. I'll read this from Robert Ewing. As a loyal little and someone who actually uses the code, I've always appreciated your promotion of independent music on the show. So when my good friend Kelly Moreno finally finished his first album during the middle of the pandemic, I couldn't think of a better way to help him promote it. The album is called Elsinore, for you Hamlet fans, Elsinore, and you can find it on all the usual plot platforms. Morning Lullaby, this is the one that's playing in Wilbon, is a song about preserving through loss of a loved one. I swear it is more uplifting than Louise Glick, and that's nice to know. <laughs> Wilbon joins us now from Chicago. He went to Chicago. Um, on a mission of love and mercy to go see his school, Northwestern, play its opening game against uh, the University of Maryland. Um, and just, it was 3 nothing Maryland at one point, and Maryland may not score for the rest of time. What was it like? How good was Northwestern? And what happened to Tua's brother? Well, Tony, you know, one game is going to make it difficult to know how good somebody is. Um, and I, I, it's tempered, you know, I was on a, I'm on a text chain with a lot of people that, you know, you know, all of them, including people like, you know, my brother and Larry Irving and J.A. Adonde and, you know, Northwestern, you know, knuckleheads. And yesterday after coming off 43 to three, the message was sort of, all right, let's just slow our roll. You know, <laughs> this is not, we're not, we're not Alabama. Let's just slow our roll. This was impressive. I texted somebody yesterday, I'm not sure who it was, and I just said, this is the greatest night since the pandemic started for me. I actually, yeah, it's your I, school. I, think, sure. I actually think it might have been. Not that you have that many things to cheer for, and, you know, Cubs went out early and the, the Bulls weren't in the playoffs. It, just, it was just a stutter. Um, and we've got, we, we, we have, we've got kids who are good. I don't think this is our quote unquote our year. We we've won ten games like we had won ten games like three times in four years. But we have we have we have some kids on this team that are freshmen and freshmen and sophomores. Some guys who aren't even playing our backups are more talented and highly recruited than our starters have sort of been. And it's, it's we're an interesting place, Tony. But you know you have to have, it has it has to work. You know, you can't just say, well, we got better kids, we're going to be better. It's not that simple. So there's how good we are because Maryland, man, Maryland was bad. Well, Tua's younger brother had a terrible debut. Three picks and passed for only 90 yards and had to be sat down. Now he's going to come back. I mean, give Mike Loxley credit. Mike Loxley, after the game, said, we all stunk. I stunk. We're sticking with this kid. But they were terrible. They were. They were. They were, and... um, so I don't know. You know, the Big Ten, of course, opened Saturday, Friday night, actually, with Illinois. Open man. big. Lovey, Lovey's, Lovey's, Lovey's boys got no, tasted again. Yeah, yeah. And I just didn't know what to expect. I mean, you know, two years ago, you know, we won a great game against, I guess it was Utah in a holiday bowl. And I knew last year was going to be a transition. Just plain and simple. We're not, you know, we, we can't reload. We have to rebuild something. With a new offensive coordinator, the team looks so different. Everybody's so excited. We're all nuts. We're all nuts. But then we, we say, okay, this was Maryland. It's week one. And we get, we, we got to play at Iowa on Saturday. And so I don't, I, I don't know how good we are. We, we, we're better. How, how much better this quickly? Are we 43 to 3 better? I mean, I don't want to get, you know, crazy. Uh, again, it was Maryland. So there's some, so there's, here's, there's some, there's here's some the thing. breaks, you know, conversations yeah. where I haven't. So, so we talked about this last night. 
Rutgers goes out, for example, under Greg Schiano the first time he's back in a long time. And Rutgers beats Michigan State. Now, maybe Michigan State is no good, but Michigan State's name is Michigan State. And you attach that to football. So that's a big win for Shiano. Indiana beats Penn State. I don't think the kid got in on the conversion. I don't. But but Indiana beats Penn State. So And then Ohio State rolls, and Ohio State is already ranked third and is going to go to the playoffs unless something terrible happens. Now, here's the thing that I said to you. What we don't know and what we won't know all year with the Big Ten, because they don't play any interconference games, we have nothing to compare it to. No. Like, you don't know. Can they still beat the MAC teams? Can they beat the Big 12 teams? If Ohio State goes to play an SEC, t- we, we're not going to see it, so we don't know. No, we don't. Um, but that's the way, I mean, the SEC is playing a conference-only schedule as well. That's right. right. We don't know. We so, don't know. I, mean, you know. I think they went for one game out, but that, that doesn't they, matter. Okay, maybe, maybe they did. They went to Patsy time, though. It but was you know, Patsy it, look, time. Look, I watched Ohio State closely because Ohio State is the team that we all think in our conference is the best team and loaded. That's and right. Loaded. You know, a quarterback who, who did a Phil Sims or a, a Bill Walton on Saturday. What was he, 21 for 22? He was great. I mean, he was great. The, I mean, the, the, the Wisconsin great. kid and the Ohio State kid, yeah. were, they were great. They were great. Yeah, and so I, I felt going in, I felt two teams I thought were just overrated in our conference. Um, Wisconsin, and I've seen they have been wrong about that, and the quarterback they've got. And Penn State, and I may be right about that. Although, And they get Ohio State Saturday. So, you know, it, 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 the conference came back with, and it was interesting, the games, the results, uh, some of the drama. And so, you know, I, I'm glad we got to a point where, we decided to play. I, 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 you know, people act like only the Ohio State kids want to play. Every every kid wants to play. Every kid wants to play. Um, That's why they go to college. They, That's they, why you know, they want to play, man. And so I was glad to. I was glad to see the week of the week the week of games that we had. And so, you know, I I'm just Tony. I hope that 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 the overwhelming majority of kids can stay safe and healthy. We have protocols in place which are much more can be difficult to achieve than other conferences. Percentages that have to be in play that other other conferences don't have and won't have. So we'll see how this goes. Again, even not only slow your roll, it's not only slow your roll about your team, it's slow your roll about the Season. conference and what is about what the is, whole conference. That's right. What is what, do it, they what, have, what we're attempting to do. Do they have I don't know if you know this. Normally, we're right on the verge of November. Normally, there would have been midnight madness at every school in the country already. Yeah, not do be they there. have a basketball plan? Yeah, do they have do. one? I, I, I haven't talked to anybody about it because it's not necessary yet. Yes. Right. Yes, if there's a football plan, and, and it, yes, because basketball oh. they, could, they planned on having. Right. So, yeah, there's a plan. I mean, that doesn't, I don't think that means much yet. Um, and ba- no basketball is starting until what the very end of December or the first. You know, it's not going to be coming along in November like any time now. I mean, we be getting right. ready for basketball in a couple of weeks. That's not going to happen. Um, speaking of basketball, uh, there the NBA. There is some movement, if not a lot of movement, to start on December twenty second. Yeah, I know that surprises you because you yeah. thought it might not go as late February. as March. Well, March would be the worst worst case scenario. Right. Although there are people who were preparing for that, but I thought February, and I know like there was a a lot of the talk was Martin Luther King's birthday, and there's this obvious, you know, symbolism there. Uh, I, you know, I, December twenty second. Wow, I mean, yeah. I can tell you, I can tell you one guy who ain't ready to play December twenty second. That would be LeBron F. James. That's right. That's he right. Until October fifteenth. Right. And now you want to try them back out. You want him to go back. I, I, I can't wait to hear LeBron's reaction about this. Um, December 22nd. And clearly, Tony, this is about money. It's about yep. the TV partners, including our bosses. You know, right. What can you get on? How can you get these games played? There ain't going to be any bubble. It's going to be attempted like Major League Baseball and the NFL. There's not going to be a bubble. There's just not. You can't. You know, the bubble worked in the NHL and the NBA because it was the end of the season. Each team played a handful of games and then got to the playoffs. Well, that's not the case if you, if you try to come back December 22nd. So, man, it's ambitious. 
I get it. But I, I'm not sitting here going, oh, yeah, let me book my plans for December 22nd. I'm not doing that just yet. So I think that one of the things that can be said, both for the NBA and the NHL, is that if there were, and I think it was more so in the NBA than the NHL, if there were ever a group of people who said, well, let's use the summer, let's use the summer, that's not going to happen. No, because, because they, they, what they there are no ratings was, available to you in the summer. They're they're just, that's right. I mean, if, even if they're available, it would take years and years to get people comfortable with that change. And that's just not the pattern that, 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 that these sports have had to draw people over the past, you know, the NHL is 100 years, and, 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 major, and uh, the NBA is, what, 75 or so, about 75. And it just it, it's, it's not working on that level. No. So they've got to they occupy the space that they have occupied traditionally. And and if they want to be in the Olympics, and the NBA has obviously been, you know, I mean, they've been a enormous presence in the Summer Olympics since 1992. And so that means something to the NBA. And, you know, the, the, the Summer Olympics, if they're contested, they clearly want and, to be in. And I think that's absolutely fair to say if. And by the way, I would remind people, it's not so much for the United States team, as it is for all of the players in the That's league right. who are not from the United States, right. who feel a far greater obligation yeah. to play on their own teams. Far greater. In, in some Again, cases, the obligation is actual. It's <laughs> it contractual. Formalized contractually. No, I think it is. But, I think it is know, in some cases. It, yeah, no, I, I agree. it probably is for some players. Tony, you're right about that. All right, and so let's so, let's get to the, let's get to the World Series and your thoughts. Uh, it's the World Series has been. I, I, it's hard for me to stay up, and I don't stay up. But it has been it. every game has been yeah. tremendously contested. Don't you yes, think? Yes, yes. Tremendously yes. contested. It's like the World Series. Oh wait, you know it looks like the World Series. If, I don't know if it feels like the World Series. I have people. I, I know there are folks who talked about that on on various television interviews. You know, people who cover the World Series for years and years and years, and 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 I don't know what. But our friend Richard Justice is Richie at the World Series. He's there. Right? Yes, yes, he went to the World Series. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's been wildly entertaining. Um, it's been dramatic. I mean, the the, the the key to the entertaining has been the drama. Uh, every game, it seems, man. And so I was, you know, interested to see how last night played out. And I, I'm just hoping for primarily a, a long, close series. I'd love to see seven games, which means Tampa's going to have to win. Not which tonight, I think they will. Tomorrow night. Yeah, I think they will. And then you get Bueller against Morton, you know, in the in seven, which I think people, well, yeah. nobody's tuning in, but I'm, I'm going to tune in. Don't let me get you out of here on this because this is easy. How about them Cowboys? Oh, God. <laughs> oh. Oh, man. I mean, you know, no team in American sports is as overstated as the Dallas Cowboys the last right. 20 years. That's right. Every year, every year, the Cowboys are going to do this. And, 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 and you know what, Tony? It's media-driven. It is. And it's media-driven. Yes. I don't even hate the Cowboys. I don't. It's like I told you about um, some player who you said you hate him. I go, no, I don't hate him. I hate the... Oh, Wentz. Wentz. I, I said fuss, you hate Wentz. The fuss. Yeah. The constant slurping by people who pontificate. I mean, enough with the Cowboys. Enough. They're not any good. <laughs> and terrible. people spent all summer on every network, every outlet, every everything, telling us how great the Cowboys are going to be. And they are garbage the most important story seems to be will Dak Prescott get paid they stink they're terrible on the Cowboys and they are now they're irrelevant yep that's right they're irrelevant I know they can win the division I get it I don't care they they stink. stink and people look like fools every year by telling us how terrific the Cowboys are gonna be it's like, why are you people invested in being idiots? The Cowboys aren't going to be Jack. No, they're not. All right, I'll and see so you later. You know. All right, Tom, sounds good.
Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. Uh, we will take a break. Jeff Passan will join us when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening, You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This Lincoln Financial ad, it's, it's just a well-written ad. Hey, everyone, this new world we're living in has me and my family talking a lot more. I mean, we're talking about everything from how much greater was the greatest of all time than today's greatest. That's a conversation you could have about Bill Russell and LeBron James and Michael Jordan very easily. To how to make sourdough bread, which both Elizabeth and Michael can do, to how excited we are that football is finally back. And it is exciting, even if you have to watch the Washington football team. I can't keep watching my dog run circles in the backyard and call that a spectator sport. And so I've moved her to the front yard. And that's a spectator sport. But despite how talkative we all are, the people at Lincoln Financial want to point out the one conversation that most people still haven't had, and that is your financial plans. So do find time to talk to your loved ones about it, because the more we talk, the better we plan, protect, and retire. That is why Lincoln Financial is here to help you. Get the right questions to start that conversation at LincolnFinancial.com. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Kelly Moreno. This is called Stephen King, which is pretty self-explanatory. Once the pandemic is over, Kelly Moreno will be playing live in the San Luis Obispo area in the central coast of California. Um, Michael, if people like Kelly Moreno, when that stuff is sent in, of course, by Robert Ewing, if people like that want to send us their independent music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizerShow.com. And are we making money doing anything? Yes, go check out uh, TKQZip for all the latest Johnny O offerings, including Tony's shacket, the official I like that. dog-walking jacket at Chessie. Yeah, I like that. All right, um, Jeff Passan joins us now. There's uh, just a million questions, and I think we should start with um, the play at the plate. There's two, well, the Two plays at the plate in game four and game five, but we'll start with last night in game five, in which Margot attempts to steal home, steal home on a lefty starting pitcher with an extraordinarily exaggerated slow motion, which means his back is to third. You have Justin Turner playing way off. Margot is halfway down the line, you know, normally. Take us through that play, and I guess the most important question is, did he actually do it on his own? As I have read, he did it on his own trying to steal home. 100% on his own, Tony. And wow. I, I, here, here's the thing. I, I, I never would have thought he was actually going to do it, but Manny Margot had like a very – itchy look about him. Yeah. He was at at third base early in the inning because remember, I think it was a leadoff walk, stole second base and went to third on the throw. Kershaw puts everybody on first. Like it's like being in extra innings. Almost everybody's on first with Kershaw. Yeah. And, and there was a walk. There was a walk after that. I think there were back-to-back walks to lead off the inning. And Kershaw was thrown over first a couple of times. And Marco was almost like dancing over at third. Like one of these times, if he lollipops that ball over to Max Muncy again, I'm going to go. And so you could just get this sense looking down that he, he wanted to do this. And, and another element, by the way, Kevin Kiermeyer, when he ended up trying to steal home, Kevin Kiermeyer was at the plate. She had a left-handed batter. Yes, and that's that right. Was, that was another thing. Everything possible for this to try it was lined up where it made some sense. Now, you know, Kiermaier's been pretty hot in the World Series. And uh, to do this with, with only one strike, it was like, man... Um, you got some serious gumption going on here, Manny Margo. But I, I got to be honest, Tony, I dug it. Like, this, yeah. this, whole ser- this whole series has had stuff like that. As a baseball fan, guys stealing bases is such an anachronism now that to, to see this athleticism, to see plays that have to be made, because uh, remember, because guys don't steal bases anymore, uh, you know, Clayton Kershaw – 
like he he needed to not panic. He needed to step off so he didn't balk. He needed to make the throw home. Uh, a tag needs to be put down. Like Manny Margot's hand was maybe three inches from the plate. That's a great play. Austin Barnes placed a tag on him. Absolutely a great play. Make it's a great them, play. Make them make plays. I, I, I just love that idea. Make them make plays. And for those of you who think that the Dodgers are a conservative group compared to Tampa, Corey Seager and Mookie Betts are stealing bases all the time. Maybe they have a taco fetish, but they are stealing bases <laughs> all the time. It has been great fun. The play at the plate in Game 5 Two errors, and I would point out that the guy catching last night was not the guy catching at five. The throw from Muncie was perfect. I was stunned that Harris did – is that his name, Harris? He didn't have the ball – or is it Smith? He didn't have the ball in his, in his glove. It was a perfect throw. What happened on that in game five? Will game four, Smith, I'm sorry. Yeah, Will Smith's head was just turned in the wrong direction, and – uh, because he had his mask on, uh, his peripheral vision was blocked. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I think if Will I think if Will Smith's mask was off, then he would have seen out of the corner of his eye that Randy Rosarena fell going around third base. Uh, mm-hmm. If if he doesn't see it though, he thinks to himself, "Okay, this is going to be a bang bang play at the plate here, and I need to get that tag down as quickly as possible." And so the relay comes in from Chris Taylor to Max Muncy, from Max Muncy to Will Smith. And Smith, uh, you know, a guy who's in his second year, who has, uh, even doesn't have the most sterling reputation as a catcher, uh, he just got a little panicky and, and tried to do something too fast. It was almost, it almost reminded me, almost the equivalent of a wide receiver who's trying to make a move before he actually has his hands on the ball and uh, ends up dropping it. And that's exactly what happened here. And uh, Tony, Tony, you covered live events for decades and you know, there are those certain moments when you're covering a sporting event where you cannot help, but say to yourself, this isn't really happening. I didn't just see what I actually saw. Did I? I've had two of those uh, covering baseball. The first was game six of the 2011 World Series, the David Freeze game, when it just yep. passed the outstretched glove of Nelson Cruz. And the second was in the 2016 World Series, game seven, when Rajay Davis takes a role this Chapman deep. The third one was that moment right there. And it wasn't just because the story that I had was now forever nuked. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, God, what am I going to do? It was because it was just such an unlikely, cannot possibly scripted moment that, uh, you know, as it was unfolding, part of me really appreciated the uh, the fact that I was there watching it, you know, like, you know, when you're watching history and that right there was history. Yes. I've had, I've had a bunch of those. Um, not lately cause I don't go to see anything except on television, but I have had a bunch of those. And I know, I know what it's like when you, for example, if you're a columnist where you just say to yourself, okay, that's the column rip up everything yeah. you've done to this point, because yep. it, it just, y- your world just changed this series. I know nobody's watching it, this series has been a great World Series, and I wrote a note, and I'm, I'll ask you if, if it has any validity to you, that it actually seems like both teams right now have the other team exactly where they want them, that both teams do. And it seems so bizarre, because you've got Tampa's got Snell, and then they've got Morton. Um, yep. The Dodgers know that they've got Bueller in seven, and so they're going out with that. The fact that the Dodgers are throwing bullpen games makes me nuts. But it's it's almost like there's an inevitability to a game. It feels like an inevitability to a game seven. Does it feel that way to you? I hope so. Like it, at this point, my children don't know who I am anymore. I'm, <laughs> like I'm I'm certain that that my wife has finally taken up court with a neighbor, or, or <laughs> frankly, anyone at this point. So we might as well go seven at this point. Um, I you know. 
I don't know if the Rays, even though they've got Blake Snell and Charlie Morton, feel like they've got the Dodgers where they want them because the the fact, Tony, that the Rays are still in this series is kind of absurd. There's just been this feeling, for me at least, the whole time that the Dodgers have just been outplaying them and and outclassing them, and that the Dodgers are just a better team, but that the Rays are are a team that has heart and they're scrappy and they've got that find a win gene that you you know the the je ne sais quoi and. Uh, that's how they are where they are, you know, having forced the second off day, having gotten to the point where their former Cy Young winner is going to be on the mound against yeah. the bullpen yeah. game. And, yeah. you know, uh, that, that's why I think there is uh, Blake Snell, by the way, was awesome for four innings last time. And, no hit. Yeah. And, and kind of fell apart in the fifth. His stuff though was spectacular. And that's the, that's been the frustrating part. For the Rays, they've got all these stuff guys. You know, Tyler Glass now throwing 98 to 100 with that curveball is just kind of unfair. But but can't Dodgers, find the plate. But can't find know. the plate. You know, and two you know different what? starts. It, you, you see some other teams, though, they'll swing and miss at that stuff. The Dodgers mm. don't. The Dodgers are just... So patient. Even if they, uh, let me take that back. They will swing and miss too, but they'll do it after four or five pitches. They'll wear you down and get you into that bullpen early and make you go to guys who aren't Diego Castillo and Nick Anderson and Pete Fairbanks and Aaron Loop. You know, guys uh, who a couple of them have, have had some issues and haven't had quite the success they did in previous rounds. I know that the ratings are terrible as they've been terrible for all sports. And I'm sure part of it is that nobody really knows Tampa Bay and they don't know who's on the team and this, that, and the other thing. But I'm going to take you back to questions that we've had for you, for Richard Justice, for Tim Kirchin, for Mark Feinstein, from months back, which is, did you think they'd ever get this far? I, I, I mean, when it started with the Cardinals, with the Marlins at first, with the natural skepticism that everybody had, that they were not in a bubble. Did you think it would get this far? And if you didn't, who is to be applauded most? You know, in, in my heart, I did not think it would get here because uh, I did not think that Major League Baseball would have the stubbornness to push through the way that it did. But in my head, which which has covered Major League Baseball for coming up on 20 years now, I got the sense that Rob Manfred was going to push this thing through all the way to the end. You know, he he was about as damn the torpedoes as mm-hmm. anybody there. I and and listen, I asked somebody at Major League Baseball a few weeks ago, who deserves credit for this? And he, and he, either his phones are tapped and he's looking to get a raise by mentioning his boss in, in such like reverential terms, or Rob Manford really was the guy because there, there was a lot of skepticism, Tony. There was a lot of skepticism in front offices. I would hear from GMs and and they would say, you know, you can't write this because uh, it'll get. It, it's funny how GMs are, by the way. They all think they have these unique thoughts. You can't write this, or it'll get traced back to me. There are like ten GMs saying, I don't know why we're playing. I don't know what we're doing. What are we doing here? Why are we trying this? We're in the middle of a pandemic. People are dying. Uh, there are two outbreaks already. What the hell are we doing? Right. And and what they were doing, Tony, was figuring this thing out. Like, I, I mean, I hate to say it, but between the NBA and Major League Baseball, which is now going on 60 days without a positive test from a player, the only, the only entities in this country that have figured out the pandemic are in sports. And, and that's a crazy that's right. thing to think about and to say, but it, it, 
it, you know, they, they have the privilege of, uh, of the, the great amount of testing that they do, but they've put processes in place that have worked. And, and, and unfortunately, I don't think these processes are scalable on a, you know, a, a national level, but they, they've been effective enough inside Major League Baseball. You know, the, the NBA had a bubble, so by the end it was small. Uh, you know, Major League Baseball was doing like 10,000-plus tests a week. I mean, there were That's, a lot of tests going on, and, and it worked. It worked. It, it, has, it has worked. Enjoy the rest of it. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Tom. Take care, buddy. Jeff Passan, boys and girls. We will take a break. We will come back with emails and jingles. If there is such a thing, I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Hello, here comes Tony's mailbag. We've got your emails and notes. It's Mr. Tony's mailbag. We'll read some for all you folks. Well, maybe not your email. It's neither smart nor funny, nor is it a haiku. Lovely. Mark Schaefer and the Schaeferettes. Lovely. Nigel, do the Bethesda Bagel ad, please. Yes, we love Bethesda Bagel. You will as well. Many locations around the D.C. area. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the store nearest you. Stop on in, get some, get some bagels, get some bagel sandwiches, whatever you like. Uh, you'll get it there, and you will love it. All right, that'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, I just ought to say they seek him here, they seek him there. His clothes are loud but never square. It will make him or break him, so he's got to buy the best because he's a dedicated follower of fashion. That's a lyric from probably the smartest rock and roll band ever, The Kinks. You might not yeah. think so in their early songs, but after those early songs, those were great. Thanks to our guests today, Jeff Passan, Michael Wilbon. Thanks to our sponsors today, ZipRecruiter, Lincoln Financial. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you have to show through iTunes, please leave us a review. It's getting colder, but my, my, and my tomatoes are pretty much done. Not growing anything new, just waiting for the last five or six to ripen. Yeah, you're still aging them in the brown paper bag. <clears throat> still doing that, yeah. And still have those habanero peppers. There's four or five of them that are turning yellow right now. From Dr. Joe DeRosa in Greenville, South Carolina. Last week you read an email from Matt Wedge of Naperville about throwing peanuts out of the window of a moving car at his brother in the car behind him. Although That's a great right. story, you absolutely buried the lead. Matt claimed that eating candy corn with salted peanuts tastes like a payday bar. What? Simply combining the putrid candy corn, which tastes like flavored crayons with ordinary salted peanuts, will produce the same taste as a delicious payday impossible. Then on Monday, one of my kids brought home some Halloween candy from school. I swiped a few candy corn Don't from her it. stash, popped them in my mouth along with some salted peanuts, and voila, a payday bar. What a discovery. Matt is a genius, and my apologies for doubting him. Somebody get this guy working on the COVID vaccine immediately. <laughs> from Mike O'Brien from Boston, but formerly from Revere. I went fishing with my girlfriend's brother and her dad today, and in about two hours, I took out a payday bar. They said, what's with the payday bar? And I said, it's the official candy bar that Tony Kornheiser is showing. It's the perfect cure for hunger halfway through any sporting activity. I then put a piece on a hook, and you will never believe it. It fell off the hook, and I didn't catch anything. My girlfriend said, I'm no longer allowed around our family without her. That's very funny. Uh, from Bill Noro from St. Charles, Illinois. Long time, little since the early 2000s. Thanks to my son, Rob, from Little Rock. Your recent encounter with golf ball thieves reminded me of a similar incident which took place in my youth. I'm not quite as old as the orange one, but pretty close. During the mid-60s, I was an impressionable 12-year-old learning the basics of golf while struggling with standard golf etiquette rules. On a hot summer day, my friend Dave and I made our way to the local muni in our central Illinois hometown of Washington, or Washington, the preferred pronunciation of many locals. On the back nine, I happened upon a clean white ball that was clearly not mine. In retrospect, I don't remember the brand. It may have been Slazinger Bolotta Ball, but my memory is failing me. 
I was playing a scuffed range ball, a big step below a pinnacle, and at least one step above a rock. I quickly looked around, saw no one in the general vicinity, and slipped the ball into the pocket of my blue jean cutoff jorts. About 10 seconds later, I heard the unmistakable voice of Father Schubert, our church pastor, who obviously recognized me from my altar boy days. He called out asking if I'd seen a ball. I hesitated uh -oh. for a few seconds and sheepishly responded that I had not seen a ball. Oh, I mean, what no, could I do? No. Pull it out of my shorts and throw it to him? No win there. <laughs> Fifty plus years later, I still have not been able to complete an official Catholic confession of my golf sin. At the time, Father Schubert would surely recognize my voice in the confessional. Second, I've lapsed on the confession thing. The good news is I did learn my lesson. I've never picked up a found ball on the course again while playing my pinnacle. Thanks for all the years of listening. Happy 19th to you and Wilbon. From Alec Pleat in Tampa, Florida. In my younger years, my wife and I were both members of DuPont Country Club. We played often, but two of my pet peeves were people hitting my ball, or worse yet, the ever-present playing partner begging for a tee on every hole. My wife had <laughs> custom golf balls and tees made for me with inscriptions on both. On my golf balls, it said, this is my ball, your ball is in the woods. And the tees were inscribed with, buy your own tees. Suffice to say, anytime someone had to borrow a tee the first time, there was never a second. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. From Andrew Kurnitsky in Sarajevo in Bosnia, Herzegovina. I always look forward to your discussion of the Jets, Giants, and other mediocre teams with Jason Lockenfour and Jeff Ma, because it will mean you will inevitably say they stink, they're terrible. No one says that with the passion that you do. It makes me smile and laugh every time. Certain people have a talent when dropping the F-bomb. You have a talent when saying stink. Thank you for all the great moments and laughs. One last one. Mark Feiner in Greenwich, Connecticut. This from the Wikipedia page on Chaucer. English poet Geoffrey Chaucer, 676, is famous for writing one of the most enduring works in the English language, the Canterbury Tales. Also, he always played a pinnacle ball with a green GC. It's raped on the side. Don't judge. It was a promotional deal. Chaucer liked Shakespeare, but never had much use for Kornheiser. I was thrilled last week to hear Michael make oblique references to my David Aldridge moment interviewing him for a job years ago. It was a great talk, and I maturely kept my littleness to myself. I would have hired him if he hadn't withdrawn from the search. Then to hear Cliff Buck, whom I taught 25 years ago, reminisce about my class really did me in. Not having gone to camp in Pennsylvania, I never imagined I'd be writing about the connective tissue of this show. I'm proud my English teacher inspired Cliff to become an oceanographer. By the way, English teaching inspired Cliff to become an oceanographer. By the way, Michael, our golf team won three New England championships in four years after you declined to pursue the job. So you know, go Frogs. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Who's your favorite pitcher? Max Scherzer. What does Max Scherzer do? Phoenix. Who's your favorite batter? Soto. Soto. <laughs> <laughs> like a tree deep in the wood who will hear fall who will see you when you're down now that there's no one around for oh, the cane has no hand to hold the chair's wheels know where to
turn away with no pain there's no one left it's in the So far, I ain't got me a damn thing. Too busy thinking about being Stephen King. Stephen King. Oh, one tour than another. Going to sign like Stephen King. Yeah, one show than another. Gonna do Oprah him. Gonna top the NYT Oh, one way or another Gonna be big like Stephen King But in the meantime, gotta find myself a story One that's racy, old, sad, and good and gory But so far, I ain't got me a damn thing Too busy thinking about being Stephen What would have happened if Steve tried to be Hemingway a Faulkner or a Tennessee No convicts or Oscar for misery Steve would be busy trying to be Disney oh, What would have happened, where would he we be? Steve would be scared to be Stephen King I think it's kind of funny, but irony To be myself, I gotta be like Steve, alright Gotta find my way to be Good, bad, or another Gotta come from inside me oh, One way or another Gotta tell my own story Yeah, one way or another Gotta be me to be like But in the meantime, gotta find myself a story One that's racy, or sad, and good and gory But so far, I ain't got me a damn thing Too busy thinking about me as Stephen 